Hey friends, it's time to get some updates about the latest innovations in Azure Data Factory. Wee Hyung is here and he brought along a few friends from the team to show me what's new. We're gonna learn about Azure Purview integration, new data flows functionality, and CICD for Data Factory pipelines today on Azure Friday. Hey friends, I'm Scott Hanselman and it's Azure Friday. I'm here with Wee Hyung, how are you? I'm good, I'm good, Scott. So you've put together a whole parade of friends who are going to talk about all kinds of new updates to Azure Data Factory, and you've brought them from all over the world. That's right, yeah. So Data Factory, as you know, like many of you already know, right, is continuously innovating, whether it's integration with uh, Purview, whether it's some of the improvements in data flows, or even making sure that data ops is the best experience. Uh, and, you know, we invited friends all over the world just to come to this show to show you some of the latest and greatest. That's great. What kind of things are people using Azure Data Factory for? I'm always impressed with the amount of data that's being pushed around. We're talking about huge amounts of data that's being chewed on every day, all day. That's right. So Data Factory, in fact, as a fun fact, right, move about petabytes of data every single month uh, globally, uh, which is just like mind boggling. But I think one of the things that people use Data Factory for uh, is for modern data warehousing scenarios, right, where you land data into the lake. But more importantly, after you land data from all these different sources, and it can be on-premises, it can be multi-cloud, it can be data sources that's on Azure. Once it's in the lake, uh, you want to be able to transform them to get them into the right shape before you land them in your target data store, right? And the target data store could be Azure Synapse Analytics uh, using SQL pools. It could be landing data in Azure SQL uh, and so on and so forth. And I think one of the key thing about Data Factory is really the notion that you know you could do it code free, but more importantly, we own and spin up the managed infrastructure uh, to do it at amazing scale. Um, and so that's essentially what Data Factory is used for. That makes me wonder how anyone ever did it before. Mm, yeah, I used to be from the SSI team uh, years ago. You'll run it on a single machine. Uh, if it's not enough, you will want to scale up the machine uh, to be able to deal with the load. Today, this is all done in the cloud uh, in a serverless manner, right? And there's, there's been a lot of talk lately about Azure Purview and how it relates to Azure Data Factory. And we're going to hear about that today as well, right? That's right. Yeah. That notion of data integration and data governance all coming together, right? One, of course, to get tremendous insight into not just your uh, data integration, pipelines, lineage, if you will, but more importantly for you to be able to troubleshoot when things go wrong. And we're going to see some exciting demos on it today. All right. Who is our first friend? Yeah. So today we're going to bring on uh, Linda. Linda is going to show us all the exciting things around data integration and data governance. Uh, and to you, Linda. Yeah. Thanks for having me here, Scott. And thanks for the introduction. So today, I'd like to demo some cool features and really to showcase how Azure Data Factory and Preview, uh, Azure Preview integrate together so as to bring the data integration along with the data governance to enable organizations to really uh, derive tremendous insights into the data lineage data map, data discovery, and more in the future as well. So uh, I will start with this data factory view. So the ETL flow usually start with the data ingestion that customer bring data from various sources uh, into the lake and do the transformation next. So here is one of the uh, demo factories. And when we go to the management hub, that uh, you will see that there's the Azure preview entry here. This is the way that uh, customer can integrate uh, or connect the data factory with the preview account. So here we have the preview account connected. And oh, 
And actually, when we do the connection, because uh, we can browse from the subscription uh, to see all the available preview accounts there. So I already have that connected. Then we go to the pipeline and to build a pipeline to ingest the data. So in this example, uh, I bring data from various tables from a SQL server into a data lake. In this example, I first do a lookup to uh, retrieve the table list that I'd like to ingest, uh, then pass to the next for each activity. Inside of each, uh, we would do a copy data to uh, bring the data from the source SQL server and into the sync as a packet data set. When we run this pipeline, this is the monitoring view. Uh, I already run that. So you will see that this is all the data, uh, copy activities got executed. Each copy activity actually bring data from the source table and to a corresponding destination in the data lake. Well, with this activity got wronged, we can switch to the connected preview account to see what happens uh, in that preview account to generate the data lineage insights there. This is the connected preview account with the factory. We can search the data factory name or search the data assets. Both will bring you to the insights view. Uh, I will just search the data factory name here. And we will see that this is the data factory that happens to push the lineage to from the factory to this preview account. I can click into this assets and see under this factory, I have the pipelines that generates the, the lineage. And this is the copy activity I just run from the factory. And on the lineage tab, we can then see the data lineage. So we can see here that we bring data from different SQL tables into the different destinations in the ADLS Gen2 accounts with each of the individual path with the mapping. And we can also see more on what not show in this uh, default view. There are many more tables actually got moved during this data ingestion process. For each of them, we can see the mapping from the original source to the destination as well. And from there, we also have the options to open that in the data factory to see more details. So what happens under the cover is during the activity execution, we actually capture all the data lineage from the source to the sync and report that to the connected preview account. So in addition to the single factory, there are also uh, quite a common requirements that uh, customer would have different data factories connected there. Uh, running different ETL or ELT process that touching different data assets. So we can actually connect multiple data factories into the single preview account so as to generate a holistic view across all the data access, data assets in their uh, in the customer's organizations. So to continue this ETL flow, I actually have another data factory doing the data analysis. So after the data ingestion to bring data from various sources into the lake and populate that data lake, I can do deeper transformations and analysis based on the data from the lake. So in this factory, I also connect it with the preview. And in this case, it's the same preview account. And in this factory, let's do a data flow to do the transformations. So if I switch to the pipeline, you will see that there is a data flow uh, to do the transformation and click into that. This is basically do some simple one 
to do some joins and derive columns to generate aggregated view based on the uh, source columns and generate data to a single sync SQL table. Once this is executed, let's continue to see what uh, we can see from the preview account. So in this case, uh, let's instead of searching the factories, let's search for the detailed uh, the data assets that got touched. In this case, let's search the data uh, the sync table that we write the data into. In this case, is the customer orders. So we can see that there's a SQL table uh, that is the destination. We write the data into that. So if we switch to the lineage view, in this case, we can actually see the holistic view from the original source that is the SQL table. We bring the data through the copy activity, then into the data lake. Uh, and after the data landed in the lake, we do a data flow to transform the data. So we can see that the data flow is from the factory data analysis, while the copy activity is actually from the data ingestion. So this is really bring end-to-end -end, uh, data lineage view to the customer. In addition to that, we also have the column level lineage. For example, for this sync, sync table, we can see that there are multiple columns. Once we select the column, we can see that where does the data originally from? In this case, we can see it is from the, this SQL order header table. Well, if we select the other uh, column, this is from the other table. So with that uh, column level lineage information, that can help customer to do uh, from the upper level, we can see that if some transformation or data ingestion failed in between, the, you will see a red flag there. So to showcase you that upstream have some issue and cause the downstream data may not be the latest, then that can help you troubleshoot and identify the issue as well. And also from the upper stream, when you want to change some data, for example, I want to uh, update this uh, subtotal column, then we can know that which downstream table or downstream data will be impacted. And those such of uh, subsequent downstream impact analysis will help customer identify the potential issue and before really touch the source data. So in addition to that, uh, this is like how Auto Data Factory can report all the data lineage info from the factory to the preview account so as to generate this kind of lineage view and also help customer really discover all the data got moved and transformed uh, during the ETL process to draw the data map into the preview. Well, on the other case, we also enabled inside Data Factory, we can search the assets from the preview. In this case, as the factory is connected to the preview, let's just search uh, to discover what data assets is available there. For example, we search the customer and you can see this view is actually the similar as the search experience in the preview. What happens is ADF will retrieve the assets from the preview and populate that directly in the Adult Data Factory UI. So customer can directly discover those data assets and further use them to build the ETL and ELT data, uh, the, the flows. So in this case, we can see there are a bunch of results got re returned related to the customer. 
And we see there's a customer updated CSV, which seems interesting. If we click into that, we can see that this is this assets has some of the classification informations and we can see the properties and also the data schema of this data assets. So if we want, we want to use this data to build the ETL flow, we can click some gestures here. You can new a link service or new data set, new data flow. So let's new a data set. In this case, all those informations will be pre-populated based on the search result from the preview. In this case, we know that uh, this is, uh, I already have a link service created for that. Then we can continue from there to really generate a data set. Then this, all the views is populated based on the preview results. Then we can continue to preview the data and also to use that in the uh, in the uh, ETL flow. So with this capabilities that we really bring data integration and data governance together based on the idle data factory and Azure preview integration. This is the capabilities that we in enabled uh, at the moment and going forward, we're looking forward to further enhance this both lineage and data discovery, all those experience and moreover to uh, add the data governance tiers into the ETL flows so customer can really generate more insights based on this integration. So stay tuned on the upcoming exciting features. We'd like to keep all posted for the futures. That's really cool. It's amazing to me that you can work on so much data and you're just in a browser. I know that we can do anything in a browser now, but I'm impressed with a couple of things and I'm curious, I'm not seeing any SQL or transformation languages. There's nothing in text. It's all really being done in a, in a user interface. Is is there no standard uh, obscure language like SQL that people use to move data from place to place? Is there text behind these user interfaces? Yeah, so Allo Data Factory provides the grid for customer to really easily use the drag and drop ways to build the ETL flow. And all those can be easily configured on the UI uh, without customer really uh, touching uh, complex codes. That's so cool. It's amazing what you can do and pushing so much data around entirely here. And then you can save them as templates, share them with your coworkers. And now you're plugging in and playing here with your blocks. And those exactly. templates can be shared with the entire organization. Exactly. That's so cool. I'm always impressed. The user interface is just so polished and so powerful. The idea that you could push petabytes around from your browser is really is hugely uh, helpful. And uh, comparing it to what Wee Young said at the beginning, how we used to do it on a, a machine and that machine didn't do enough work, get another machine. The power of the cloud has completely changed how we push data around in just yeah, a few Absolutely. So Allo Data Factory is a fully managed serverless, uh, highly elastic service to really empower customers to do the data ingestion, data transformations at scale. And with this uh, UI, uh, easy, easy experience, customer can really uh, just build up this kind of flows just in, in minutes, uh, then to move the, uh, handle the data at scale. Fantastic. That is a wonderful demo. Thank you so much, Linda, for your time. Thank you. Thank you. Linda. Thanks for having me here.
All right, that's cool stuff. All right, so we, now we understand how Azure Data Factory can move things uh, through Azure Purview. We can understand the lineage and uh, where our data is going and where it lives and where it started and all that ETL lineage is being captured entirely in Purview. Yeah, uh, that's so right. Can, can we, yeah, please. Yeah. Go, go ahead, yeah. So well, now I'm wondering how data flows. I'm trying to understand uh, some of the sources of the, where that data flows and maybe more complicated data types as well. That's right. And you saw that, you know, like Linda showed a glimpse of data flow. And in previous episodes, we did show data flows as well. Mm -hmm. Data flow continue to innovate. And one of the top asks for customers was that, you know, in order for you to describe your transformation, you do it in this uh, GUI interface, but then we do it at scale. But then one of the things that people often ask about is, you know, the cluster that is used for processing all these data flows uh, takes several minutes to spin up, right? And today, one thing that's really exciting is we're going to show you how we get from minutes to seconds, uh, which is just like amazing. And for that, I'm going to bring uh, Mark Cromer. Mark Cromer leads the Azure Data Factory data flow efforts uh, to show you some of this exciting work that's happening. Yeah, thanks, uh, thanks, Scott. thanks, uh, Weihang. Um, so, what I wanted to talk to you about today. Let me go over here. Is um, a little bit of a deep dive into some of the things that you were just seeing from the previous demo, where Linda walked you through what we're doing with um, uh, integration into Azure Purview, which is, of course, like critically and vitally important to ETL and into um, Data Factory. Uh, anytime that you're working as a data engineer um, and you're working with ETL and you're able to uh, combine the uh, metadata uh, across your uh, data assets. Um, into a single view and able to integrate that with uh, Data Factory is a, is a great advance. I think we've been working on for a long time. And one of the things that she, uh, that Linda was showing you and demoing for you uh, just previously was how you would bring together those, those pipelines in the ETL process, including the data transformation piece um, within uh, your single factory. And like Scott was saying, the, the power of that sort of low code uh, no-code environments uh, within the browser is, uh, you know, something that we spend a lot of time, a lot of investment in, in the data factory team. Um, so, like Weihang was saying, is that um, when you're transforming that data in those massive amounts, um, we, you know, you, you require a very powerful uh, processing platform to be able to transform data, especially data with complex types. So, because Data Factory is a cloud-based service. And because we have that sort of power uh, and we bring it to you at your fingertips without needing to um, uh, to provision servers, um, uh, I believe uh, Linda was talking a little bit about some of the serverless nature of Data Factory, which is absolutely you know what we are, are key upon you know bringing to market here. One of the things that we do in the transformation piece, which is known as data flow, is give you the the, uh, the the design interface, the design environment that is low code, no code. And to be able to bring that to you in that serverless manner without you needing to stand up a Spark environment or a big data environment, um, we, we give this to you through what's known as the Azure integration runtime. So let me actually show you a quick example of what I'm talking about. So specifically to what Weihang was mentioning in terms of making this environment uh, super snappy and fast and responsive to you and your business, um, what we've done is we've enabled a way for you to serverlessly stand up um, a computer environment that's completely um, uh, ephemeral. It, it comes up and goes down as your jobs are executed within the cloud, within uh, factories in um, ADF. So on, on the screen, I have an example of a very, very simple pipeline that is just executing two different sets of operations. And they're both data flows. And the first thing I'm doing is I'm making files. And I'll show you the detail of this in just a minute. 
But keep this in mind is that what this is doing is this is going to process large amounts of data coming from Azure SQL database. Um, the table I'm pointing to is the, um, is the products table from AdventureWorks. So we're talking about bikes here. And then the next thing that, the next thing that, that process does is that turns that, uh, those uh, rows and those columns into parquet files with arrays, map data types, um, structures, right? Very complex data types. And what happens is what we've seen in practice from our customers, and one of the things that we focus on very, very strongly within our team is uh, we focus very much on uh, uh, reacting to customer voice in, in the community within Data Factory. And what we found is that within Azure All Up, of course, is that um, the, the lake, the data lake environment is key to your success. So because that's the case, what you're going to end up with is a lot of data that is of that complex type. Um, you know, the, the days of everything being into um, uh, easy to manage uh, SQL tables is a little bit um, a little bit in the past. And so what we found is that when you're performing these kind of ETL processes, you need to have a way to easily work with some complex JSONs and Avros and Parquet. And so we've built that into the, the Dataflow piece and some of the new features that have surfaced are very, very key to make that, uh, make that very easy. Now, in this case, I have these couple of things that are making those complex types from a simple type like a table. And then I'm going to uh, do some things with those uh, data types. I'm going, to, uh, I'm going to be able to expand upon them. I'm going to be able to compress them. And then at the end of the day, I'm going to put them into a special form of um, Parquet files in a special place within my data lake, within the Azure Data Lake uh, service. Our storage, and that storage is going to then store that data as a Delta Lake format. And the Delta Lake format will allow me to then update, inserts, have um, what's known as time travel across those, so you can keep versions of those rows live in your data lake. And you're going to do that without needing to understand any of this. <laughs> so that's the that's the key to this is that that's that serverless nature in the low code is just do just build your logic, build your um, your intent graphically within these graphs that you see on my screen and Data Factory will handle the rest. Now, to make this happen in a way that is going to meet your SLAs for your business, we've done a very important thing. So let me get to what I was just talking about earlier as I actually want to show you, which is the integration runtime. The Azure integration runtime is the serverless part of Data Factory that allows you to execute these powerful features on a serverless uh, set of compute. So you see that on my integration runtime, I called it Dataflow IR with reuse. That's just my kind of cryptic way of naming things. But let me show you what that actually means. I'm going to go into the manage uh, portal on my data factory UI. And in here, we're going to find that data flow um, um, IR under integration runtimes. So we call them IRs all the time. So you hear us kind of abbreviate it as IR. And it is uh, this right here. Instead of actually let me showing you this one, let me actually do this. Let me show you something. When you create your integration runtime, this is probably a better way to, to um, explain to you what's going to happen is that you're going to be able to go down here under Dataflow Runtime, and you'll be able to just, just check a box. It's called Quick Reuse. This is in public preview. Uh, this is a very um, recent innov intervention, um, intervention, innovation from um, the Data Factory team. Uh, intervention is actually a good word, too. That we've brought to market that will allow you to uh, take that, um, that compute environment and able to uh, have it be available to you within seconds. So when you click this box, you're able to have a, uh, a very powerful Spark environment to execute your data flows at scale very, very quickly. And it's associated with this time to live. So I can say, after my job is completed, uh, leave that compute environment around for a few minutes so that I can run more jobs against it. And we're able to um, reuse 
that we're essentially able to reuse that uh, compute environment. While I'm here, I do want to also show you another very important recent event innovation that we've brought to market around um, the Azure Integration Runtime is also the uh, VNet capability. So again, these are all things that are, that are in direct response to what our customers are asking us for. Now, what that actually means, that's a lot of you know, uh, techno babble and what does it actually mean? What does it actually, um, how does it impact what you do within your, um, your data factories? So if I go over to the monitor view, I can show you a recent run execution that I had of my uh, loans demo. So this pipeline over here called loans pipeline is executing um, some fairly large uh, mocked up loans data. And this has two data flows in it. And what you see is the time to execute these was about five minutes. In that period of time, that is all pure computation. So if I look at the details of this, you'll see that what happens is uh, each of the uh, parts of the logic within my uh, complex data transformations are all transforming and writing the data. The time it took for me to get accessible to me as a customer, as a user, to get accessible to me a powerful Spark compute was two seconds. So previously, it would take you in a matter of minutes to be able to um, acquire and provision a Spark environment. I now have that environment available to me in two seconds. So now you're spending all of your, your time and your concern simply on the data engineering piece of things, the logical intents of what you want to do with your data. Don't worry about all of the uh, new, uh, nuances of clusters and of uh, Spark and all those things. We, we handle all that for you and very, very quickly. So that's the quick access for the serverless compute. Uh, a couple of just two or three real quick things I also want to um, talk about in terms of new um, innovations within data flows and particularly that we've done with data factory. Uh, let me go back to a, um, let me go to a, a larger example of a pipeline. That's a little bit more of a canonical example of what you might see within pipelines in practice. So what I'm doing in this in this data factory is I'm ingesting some data into the lake. So this data is most likely going to be coming from on-prem or another location or even another cloud for that matter. So you'll see that this is a very common sort of stepwise approach to um, transforming data in the cloud, making it available for your, uh, for your business. I'm ingesting that data and then I'm using the Power Query activity, which is um, an update to a public preview and an, another new uh, set of um, innovation that we have within um, ADF, the Power Query is doing some data prep and data wrangling to clean some names and some values in there. And then I use the data flow to dedupe. Now, both the Power Query and the data flow use that same Azure integration runtime Spark environment. So we're able to take your Power Query, we're able to execute that using Spark, and then we take your data flow and we're able to then perform additional transformation on it. So whatever environment you know you're comfortable with, if you are uh, comfortable in the uh, sort of um, you know, design the uh, intents of your um, of your data uh, from a um, from a graph design. So, in, in terms of working with data and transforming the data, do you prefer to work with a toolbox of um, of steps that you want to use to transform your data? You'll see some things in here like the ability to uh, parse complex data types. Uh, you can derive columns, aggregate data, or if you prefer that sort of um, uh, data-first approach, the Excel spreadsheet-style approach, we've incorporated the Power Query capability within uh, Data Factory as well. So if I go back to that um, data cleansing pipeline and you see the Power Query activity right here, you're able to use the Power Query embedded environments to uh, work with your data 
and to transform it using the data first approach. So it's kind of the, the uh, data transformation at scale serverless, choosing if you want to have um, data first or if you want to have um, uh, uh, essentially design graph first. Both of those are, are low code, no code environments, but they both give you that same end result of being able to execute these um, at scale. And then the last thing that I just wanted to uh, quick touch on is if I go back to my um, uh, to my pipeline, my data cleansing, um, I'm using Dataflow to dedupe that. And so activities or actions like deduping, um, working with complex data, that's all when you're going to go into Dataflow and use those, those powerful tools um, within there. And in fact, it, in my dedupe example, all I have to do is just have a single aggregate transformation to create distinct rows. Now I'm taking my data in my lake, I'm taking out my duplicates, I'm bringing in just the distinct rows. And then I can do something like this. I can go over here to a data flow that's called um, my complex data types, and I can put that data into Delta Lake. And then Delta Lake will be able to do things like take my um, um, the data coming from my SQL uh, server, my SQL database, which is the, uh, the bike products, and is able to do things like turn those into some map data types, uh, create structures of the data, and then store it in the lake using the, uh, the Delta uh, format. So that's a lot of new in, in, uh, innovations coming to Data Factory through data flows that are the, um, you know, the data transformation at scale piece. Uh, and uh, now with the reuse capability on the Azure integration runtime, you'll see that uh, this environment for you is very, very fast and very accessible. And, uh, and with that, I'm going to, uh, that's pretty much it for the data flow section. I believe that uh, we'll go back to, uh, to Scott Weehong and then I believe Abhishek's got some other, uh, some CICD things for you as well. So thanks. Thanks, sir. One of the things that was said uh, that was new to me and maybe new to some of our uh, customers who are watching the show who are somewhat familiar with data flows but haven't heard all of the different words and acronyms and things like that is that, that notion of parquet, uh, which a lot of people are still pushing CSV files around. And that's an innovation in the open source space that is being used here as well to take things uh, by an order of magnitude down in both size and in, in, in processing. So that plus the the the, the, uh, the the delta you call them delta flows. Delta? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So what happens is so that that's right. The the parquet um, file formats um, is is by far uh, with our data transformation customers the most popular format in the lake. Um, it compresses very well. It's columnar, so it gives you that very very fast ability to do uh, ETL and to be able to analyze data in that format. And then what happens is you can compress that down into um, uh, into very compressed files. And so uh, we have it all built in into Data Factory. So when you load that data into um, uh, your lake, you can either have it as, in this case, uh, this is just a simple sort of um, uh, parquet sync. When you take that and you use the Delta Lake format of that, then that even gives you a lot more control. That gives you sort of um, CRUD operations on those files. Because one of the sort of frustrations that a lot of uh, folks who are new to data engineering in the cloud and in the lake uh, notice is that when you're working with data files like Parquet in the lake, um, you you commonly want to do things like slowly changing dimensions and be able to um, update and delete rows. That's when you'll use something like Delta Lake. Delta Lake will give you that ability to then take those files stored in a Parquet uh, format, which is uh, compressed and very fast to access, and then be able to get those sort of um, ACID kind of CRUD operations on that uh, on the data. That's what Delta brings to it then. 
Cool. Building on all of these different innovations, both in the open source space and the Azure cloud to make things just faster and easier, going from hours to minutes to seconds. That's right. Fantastic. Thank you so much for your time. Yep. Welcome. Thank you, Matt. All right. Last but not least, what's our finale? Yeah. So the finale is really some of the improvements that we did around CI/CD. And as you know, right, CI/CD is top of mind mm -hmm. for many, many people and many, many organizations. And Data Factory, of course, participate as part of Data Ops. Uh, and you want to make sure that you know whether you're designing all this pipeline using the beautiful GUI environment. But you want to make sure that once that is done in a dev environment, you could leverage your release pipelines to push this to either staging or production environment. And so we're going to bring in Abhishek Narain, who's going to share with us some of the exciting things that's been happening uh, for ADF-CI-CD. Hi, guys. Hello, sir. Great. So I'm going to run through some of the new changes that we did uh, in the release pipelines uh, with respect to Data Factory and the CI-CD changes as well. So before we get started, uh, just a quick uh, recap of the functionalities that it adds in terms of data engineers. Um, so one of the thing is collaborations, especially when you're working in larger teams, it does help a lot having uh, your work backed up by Git. And um, the second part is, um, saving your incomplete work. What we see is data engineers, when they start building pipelines, these pipelines might be extremely complex in nature, which might take days to weeks to build. And so in 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 the meantime, they might want to save their work. And so Git works out really well over there. And then uh, we have also seen uh, Git also helps improve the UI performance, uh, because especially when you're working with a lot of artifacts in Data Factory, uh, the UI, uh, we are able to get like 10 times better performance while using Git uh, so that you can load only specific piece of code uh, that you're doing in your branch rather than loading the whole artifact set. So these these are key advantages that as data engineers um, get using the CI-CD piece. Now, the improvements that we have done is the current flow that you see on the screen, which I've shared, this is the current flow. And in the current flow, we saw we got some feedback around automation requirements. Uh, currently, it was when people's data engineers start um, writing, authoring their code in visual fashion in their collaboration branches. And then they require to click a publish uh, in the UI to be able to generate the ARM templates out of it, which then goes and gets deployed into different environments using the release DevOps release pipelines. Now, what we did is we actually created a new Git package, uh, which helps you actually release pipeline itself uh, can generate, validate, and generate the ARM templates and then deploy it across factories, which means this particular manual step is no more required. And so here's the new flow, which we will basically demo today. In this flow, uh, there is a ADF created NPM NuGet package, uh, which we'll use, which will basically help us generate the build uh, of, uh, from the dev factory. And then the build artifacts will be used in the release definitions and release pipelines to kind of release it to any environment, including your dev environments. So you can actually do a automatic CI deployment in your dev environments as well. So it's completely automated. This is what customers have been asking. So here's the change that we did. Now I'm gonna quickly run through an example. Uh, this is where you get started with. Uh, you can start with data factory, manage hub, Git configuration, click on config. It's pretty simple. In this example, we will use Azure DevOps. And 
I have a Quantesso Enterprise account. There you go. And we'll use this project. Uh, we can use an existing one as well. Let's use this data engineering project. Let's use the main branch as the collaboration branch where we'll be, we will be um, using that particular branch to publish changes or generate artifacts, build artifacts from this particular branch. And this is uh, just for backward compatibility. Uh, we still kept the backward flow, uh, which basically required a special branch, ADF underscore publish, where we generated the uh, ARM templates, but this is no more necessary, especially when you're using the new Git package to, to kind of point out to any particular branch and deploy the code from there. So I'm going to import the resources, uh, existing resources into the repository as well. And this is uh, how simply you can connect the source control uh, to your data factory, which means that all the artifacts or all the visual design that you do in terms of the data flows, which Mark showed earlier, or in terms of um, uh, pipelines that you build, which Linda showed in terms of the copy pipelines, everything will be stored in your Git by just a few simple clicks here. And once it's done, um, we have configured the source control part of it. You would see if you go back uh, into your code repository, I'm going to use the same code repository and quickly check out the files. You can actually see the branch that we used, the project that we used, and you can see all the artifacts already being um, available over here just now. Now, the next step is how do I do continuous integration? and deploy it across different environments using the release pipelines and release and using the new NuGet package that we created. It's right there. So let's go ahead and build that release process. We'll go to the pipelines, create a new pipeline. This is Azure and this was the repository. And before we actually do this step, uh, we, we will require to store package.json, which basically defines a version of the NPM package. So I just missed to do that, but I'm going to quickly do that. I'm just going to go back to the repo, quickly create a new file here, and call this as package.json. And we will quickly define our package information over here. This is the dependency. Uh, and while we do the build, we will use Node. And uh, this is the library that we are referencing. And here's the version dependency of that library. The 1.5 is the latest version. Just going to quickly commit that. And we are good. So this basically defines uh, the utility and the version of it. And now we go back to the release pipeline, set up a new YAML definition and I already have a predefined YAML uh, by the way this YAML can easily be found out in our documentation it's right over here and you can find each of these steps here uh, just need to modify uh, the specific data factory instance, which would be used, the dev data factory instance, the resource ID of that needs to be uh, substituted here, um, and then it's all ready to go. So here's, I've already done that for my particular dev factory, and we are good to go. I'm just gonna do this, save and run. And it's gonna trigger uh, the changes as well, and a uh, little bit, 
It's going to take a few seconds. It's queued and it's going to execute. In the meantime, what we can do is this is how we generate the build artifacts, and we have specified uh, the master branch um, where we were actually dev um, generating the build artifact. Uh, it's being generated right now. I can quickly show you. This is where we specify. Uh, we're going to pick up the changes from the main branch. Uh, that's going to be the trigger uh, for this particular build. So you can specify now any specific branch as well. So it gives you um, limitless uh, possibilities. You can actually use any other branch, especially we heard this feedback from customers where they are doing QA testing. And before they do actually emerge into the main, they might want to test their own branch separately as well in, in a QA factory. And now you can achieve that because you can specify different triggers. And even if it's your feature branch you're working on, you can actually use that for building the package and then deploying it into your QA factory and testing it out. Now. Setting up the release pipelines. Uh, what we have done now is we have set up the build uh, process. Now we're going to quickly create a release as well. I'm going to add an artifact here. And We'll put a branch filter, which will trigger the build. And this is where we uh, get started with. I can say uh, this is my dev, uh, where I will deploy to, yet uh, all the code might not be deployed to dev. So this is where we can deploy this to dev and set up a quick task. Now, this is another improvement that we did earlier. There were three steps uh, that we required. We required to stop the triggers, start the triggers at the end. So there were some pre-deployment scripts and post-deployment scripts that you had to add in before you could do the ARM deployment. And, and now we got rid of that using the NPM package as well. So you can simply do an ARM, add, and configure your Azure Resource Manager connections. There you go. And I put my region as well. And then we need to select the ARM template that gets generated as part of the build. And it's right here, so we need to select the uh, ARM template as well as the parameters file. Parameters file is very important, especially when you are deploying it across environments. You might want to parameterize, for example, the factory name or certain parameters and variables, uh, link service names and stuff like that. All those references you might want to parameterize, and hence we add that as well. And for just for the CI into my dev, I don't need to override, for example, the factory name. But when I do the same step for deploying it in the production, I'm going to probably override the factory name as well over here. So here we go. We click on Save, click on OK. Just give it a name, CI. And that's about it. So this is how simply you can set it up. We can validate this. We can quickly go back to our factory. And here's my main branch. I would go ahead and create a new branch uh, from, for myself, and which where I will probably work. Uh, we already have three pipelines. I'm just going to add a simple dummy pipeline just for the demonstration. 
and call it pipeline four. And now uh, we'll save this. And this is getting saved into my branch. So it will not trigger any build. It will not trigger any deployments. Uh, it will trigger only the deployments when I do a pull request and then go ahead and merge this into my main branch. And then the whole process will kick in. So let me do that. Okay, so while the whole process takes over, uh, I would quickly come here and validate. This is the branch and let's go back to my dev live mode. For This is the CI, which we were talking about. We actually did a CI and said, we will deploy the fourth pipeline. You see the fourth pipeline, pipeline four doesn't exist as of now uh, because uh, we just kicked in the CI and let's go back and check. Uh, what's the status? It's still building, it's just triggered a run, releases, we can track the status. Uh, it's gonna show up once it completes the build and then the CI will get triggered accordingly. So we can hold on for a few quick seconds. Here's a release to dev. It's queued and in this whole process, we never clicked on publish um, in, in the ADF UI. So from the ADF world, or even if, if there's a code-based data engineer who's actually checking in codes rather than using the visual UI, uh, now does not need to click on that publish button. It's just gonna go ahead and deploy this and you can quickly validate it uh, in your factory. Now, once it's the deployment is complete, we will hit this refresh button and you will see those pipelines in here. So we'll just take a few more seconds, almost done. If I may, how how recent, kind of from a historical context perspective, is the introduction of CI/CD into the world of data and, and data factories and data flows? It's uh, very recent. I think the Git uh, initial uh, implementation uh, started a couple of years back, but uh, these changes where we actually went ahead and made the changes and made it really continuous uh, and automated. Uh, these changes were checked in just just few months back wow, this year okay. itself. So this is really quite an innovation in the space uh, and something that people who are moving data around just aren't used to, but once they start getting used to this, the, 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 the capabilities it's gonna give them is gonna be huge. Absolutely. And here's, here's our pipeline four, which we just did and it was continuously integrated into this environment. Look at using that. the release pipeline. Fantastic. So many things happening in the space and so quickly. Yep. So yeah, just to quickly summarize the things that we saw, um, Git certainly helps us with collaboration. It helps us save our work while data engineers work on their pipelines for days and weeks. And then it gives you better user experience uh, in terms of loading the UI in a better fashion, quicker. And then it gives you more flexibility and freedom of deploy deploying pipelines and doing a QA testing from a particular branch as well using the release pipelines and the NPM package. Fantastic. Cool. Well, thank you so much. So, Hui Hyung, what have we seen here? Give us the the what just happened over the last uh, almost an hour uh, from demo one through three. Sure. So one one of the things that you uh, you saw right was we started off with the data integration and data governance coming together, right? And Linda showed a glimpse, you know, of what are the kind of possibilities, right? Whether it's trying to figure out ETL lineage 
trying to do impact analysis or even root cause analysis on what went wrong uh, with that report that you're trying to read today. Uh, it's all coming together with the Azure Data Factory and Azure Purview integration, right? So we started off with that, which is really exciting. And over the next few months, this is going to continue to get better, uh, which is amazing. Now, the second part that you saw was really data flow, right? And data flow was really that notion of code-free data integration at serverless scale. And Mark showed, you know, the ability to be able to run all this data flow where you simply drag and drop your intent, but then it runs on Azure integration runtime. Now, with that Azure integration runtime, there's often a cost to spin up the underlying Spark clusters. And what used to take minutes is now seconds. And so towards the last part of Mark's demo, you saw that now the data flow, you spend more time on doing the actual computation and transformation, if you will, without worrying about the infrastructure, right? Super powerful. And then we ended off with uh, data ops. And one key aspect of data ops is your data pipelines, right? From you know us being able to connect to Git repository, which uh, in some of the earlier uh, data factory uh, videos or even Azure Friday shows, uh, we showed that some time back. But what is more recent is this ability to do this end-to-end -end without you clicking the publish button. Uh, and that went GA in February this year, and we're so excited to share this with the community. Fantastic. There is so much stuff happening in the Azure Data Factory space. I want to encourage folks that are watching this episode to go back and look at the huge library of great Azure Data Factory shows that we have done before. Uh, there's a great documentation, a great community around it, and a whole group of coders and product managers and program managers like the ones you've met today that are interested in your feedback. So make sure that you are giving feedback inside of the, the portal. It all goes to real people and the innovation just continues. I am learning all about Azure Data Factory product innovation today on Azure Friday. And I thank uh, Wee Hyung, Linda, Mark, and Abhishek for their time today. Thank you, Scott. Hey, thanks for watching this episode of Azure Friday. Now I need you to like it, comment on it, tell your friends, retweet it, watch more Azure Friday.